Pastor Xavier Reese says, God doesn't command us to anything without his enablement to do it. Paul finishes Romans, like the doctrinal section says, and don't be fashioned to this world system, be transformed, metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. That means we can do it. Whether we do it or not, that's an individual obedience. But God doesn't force you to obey. That way, when He judges you, He judges you justly and righteously. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As the cycle of sin, bondage, repentance, deliverance, blessing, and sin again continued in the history of Israel during the period of the judges, there was born the next judge, Samson. In this sense, Samson was truly a man of his times. He was a study in contrasts a man of great strengths and great weaknesses, and for that matter, reminiscent of Israel's history during this period as well, a picture of great heights and deep lows. The simple truth is that despite a divine and prophetic birth announcement, Samson led a life of carnality. Pastor Xavier begins a series on Samson within our series of judges, admonishing believers to put their gifts to good use in the kingdom of God. Let's listen. We come to Samson, the 12th judge, who occupies four chapters in the book of Judges, which provides his call, his compromise, and the consequences of his life. The Old Testament account is full of valuable accounts of real people like you and I, where to study, meditate, and apply, learn from their successes and failures. If we don't, then we will repeat the same thing. These are real accounts that are for us. 1 Corinthians 10 11 says, Now all these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. If you say, well, it happened to them, never to me. You're next. If you don't think you can, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. This is what we fail. We fail to realize that when we are able to walk in joy and peace and all that, that it's God that's doing it. And we start thinking we've done it. And so we start cutting off the things of God, and pretty soon, you know, like the old cars used to spot, but, 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 you start getting some water in your gas, and things are going wrong. Samson offers us many valuable lessons against a carnal life, life of carnality, self-centeredness. It unfolds for us the prophetic birth of Samson in three movements here. Let me read our text. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistine for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine, similar drink, or, and any, or not of, the, uh, of eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very awesome, but I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. 
And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine, similar drink, nor eat any unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O my Lord, Please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again, and she was sitting uh, in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's true life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor uh, may she drink wine and similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young girl for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food but if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. And then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name that when your words come to pass, we shall honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering, the offering upon the rock of the Lord. And he did a wonderful thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up towards heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. Uh, and when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted the burnt offering and the grain offering from our hand, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things at, these, at this time. So the woman bore a child and called his name Samson. The child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mechanim. And camp of dance, so it means between Zohar and Eshkol. Now, the prophetic birth of Samson is given to us here, threefold movement. First, the birth of Samson is announced in verse 1 through 5. Second, we have the birth of Samson confirmed, 6 through 14. And then the birth of Samson is celebrated, 15 through 25. Now, notice 1 through 5, the usual pattern of life of the children of Israel is given in verse 1. The birth of Samson announced here. The yielding to a life of sin. It's a cycle. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The phrase is repeated for the seventh and last time in the book. The indication is no concern for God. They're the people of God, the covenant people. They don't care. They're living like pagans. Conscience is gone. Like water off a duck's back. The response of God to their lives of sin, notice, is he delivers them into the Philistine for 40 years. The phrase is repeated for the fourth time here. God delivers, God delivers, God delivered them. There's the absence of the cry, notice. Before we heard and they cried unto the Lord, no more cry to the Lord. It's gone. 
The people of God had become apathetic and different to live alongside the pagans. It was life as usual. The people of God had settled in inferior subjugation. The Philistine had taken all the control of the weapons and of sharpening tools for the farm. We see this in the book of Samuel. This is the longest of their bondage for their enemies, 40 years. 40 is the number of judgment. 40 days of rain, 40 nights. 40 years in the wilderness. 40 days Jesus went to the wilderness to be tested of the devil. Notice the conflict with the Philistines. It goes back to the time of Jephthah. You've got to, it's easy to lose sight of the book of Judges. All of this passage falls back to chapter 10, verse 6. There it says this. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord Yahweh and served the Baals and the Ashrams and the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So, this is going on. Jephthah came on the scene. Now comes Samson, but it's all this period. The Philistines are mentioned there. The Philistines came from Crete, as you know. Genesis uh, 10, 14 tells us they were in the land. When Abraham was there, you see them all through there. And the Philistines had stopped the wells that dug by Abraham, and Isaac dug them up again, Genesis 26, 18. They were a constant harassment to Israel. God did not lead Israel out of the Exodus through the land of the Philistines, lest they would see war and want to go back to Egypt. Exodus 13, 17 tells us. The Philistines uh, were in the land, and they're just constant harassment, but they are not defeated until David. So they were there a long, long time. And the Philistines, as you know, had five cities. We'll see them as we go along here. Akron, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ashdod, uh, five of them. And um, it's down there in the southern section, what's commonly known the Gaza Strip. Now, it's interesting. The Gaza Strip is uh, what gives Israel trouble today. The Gaza Strip back then also gave trouble to Israel. And by the way, it is from the name Philistines that the Romans in 132 to 35 salted the land, put the last rebellion down on the Jews, and renamed the land of Israel Palestinia, Palestine. There's never been a Palestinian nation. They just renamed the land in insult to the Jews, naming it after their enemies, the Philistines. So there's no Palestinian nation ever has been. Give that to CNN, okay? Shamgar, the son of Anath, killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goat back in chapter 3, verse 31. So they, again, they've already had conflict with them. Samson judges Israel. As the 12th judge in the days of the Philistines, it said for 20 years, chapter 15, verse 20. Of the 40, 20, Samson judged. Notice in verse 2 through 6, the unique particulars at the revelation are given. In verse 2, the father and mother of Samson-to-be are introduced. The father identified in three ways. His city, there was a certain man from Zorah, meaning hornet in the Zerog Valley between Dan and Judah, the two tribes, in the coastland, the lowlands of Judah. Then he's identified by his family. He's a Danite. It borders um, due west of Jerusalem. Then he's identified by his name, Manoah, which means rest. Then his mother is nameless, but identified in two ways. First, by her shame. And his wife was barren which indicates she was out of favor with God in the Old Testament. A woman couldn't bear children. Second is by being childless and had no children confirming her barrenness. You can imagine the elation of this woman being told that she's going to bear children. 
the appearance of the angel in verse 3. Indeed now you are barren, you have born no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. This is God speaking. There's no problem. God is the one who gives children. Okay? He's the one that can open your womb. All right? I'm not against medical technology or stuff like that. Fine. But then when it hasn't worked, we pray and see what happens. Now, this is the tenth time it appears in the book here, the angel of the Lord. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, were also told, if you remember, that they were going to bear sons, and they were barren. 1 Samuel 1 and Luke chapter 2. Again, God is in control. The specific instruction noted in verse 4 and 5 is for the raising of Samson. She was to abstain from certain foods, drinks, wines, similar things, not to eat anything unclean. Now, that's ceremonial. But the strong drink, not to be under the influence of anything to alter your mind. Food to defile ceremonially today is not upon us. This is Old Testament. Romans 14, Colossians 2 says, if you whatever you want to eat, pray over it, eat it. Suffer the consequences. If you eat bad stuff, you're just going to die before me. I'll see you in heaven. You're going to beat me there. That's all. No big deal. Okay? It's your choice. Now, look at verse 5. Her son was to be a Nazarite, meaning one separator consecrated. The affirmation of Samson's birth, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Behold, it's prophetic, it's absolute. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. John the Baptist was not only announced beforehand like Sam, Samson here, but also a Nazarite. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. A Nazarite, we're going to see, is a long hair and certain other things, not eating certain things. It was the identification. His strength was not in the hair. It's given to us at the end of the chapter. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There's no strength in hair. That's the identification. You're separated to God. The purpose of Samson's birth, in five there, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the land of the Philistines. God declares Samson's failure as the 12th judge before his birth. God knows the end from the beginning, and yet God called him. Now, you've got one of two choices. Either Samson is responsible for his failure, or God predestined him to fail. Which one you want to go with? Man has a free will. And in spite of what God knows about the failure of this man, he still calls him, he still enables him, and he holds him responsible for what he threw away. The law of the Nazarite is found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 1 through 21. There you read that a male and female could voluntarily take that oath for the length of time that they wanted to. There was no stipulation. The Mishnah gave a setting 30 to 100 days, but that's the oral tradition. It's not what Scripture is saying. The conditions were to abstain from wine, strong meat, anything that would uh, alter your state. Certain foods were unclean, bad for health. No razor was to come upon his head when a dead body would touch you, as we're going to on and, and read, then it says there that he would have to go for seven days, and then the seventh he would shave his head, offer the stipulated sacrifice, and then he would lose that time and restart the dedication again for it. And uh, if um, on the eighth day he would offer a lamb, and for a trespass it would be more, and, and he gives the burn offering, total dedication, and the peace offering, and he gives all those requirements. He couldn't even separate himself if his mother or, or father or daughter or them died. He couldn't touch them. He was consecrated to the Lord. 
in the fulfillment of his vow, if it was for 30 days or a year or whatever it was, then he would offer the sacrifice, make a peace offering, he would shave his hair and then burn it on the fire. You have that all in Numbers chapter 6, 1 to 21. Each of us are called to be a type of Nazareth to God living holy in our lives. Paul says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Too often Christianity is looked upon, oh, you're the kind of people that uh, I don't do this, I don't do that. Well, you haven't read the Bible. The Bible says, I consecrate myself to God. I don't live in sin any longer, but I live in holiness unto God. I move away from sin. I move towards God. I move away from death. I move towards life. I move away from trouble, and I move towards peace. Now, what's bad about that? That's what a consecrated life is in the Lord. We don't live the way we used to. We have the capacity. That's the problem. But I've got to obey the Lord. Paul finishes Romans, the climax there of the doctrinal section says, I beseech you by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world, says, and be transformed, metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. That means we can do it. Whether we do it or not, that's an individual obedience. Sometimes I wish I was a robot, but God doesn't force you to go to heaven, and God doesn't force you to obey. That way, when he judges you, he judges you justly and righteously. Each of us, like Nazarites, remind the world of God's holiness that we're clay in the hands of the potter. Oh, God help us if we ever give anybody the understanding that it's because we're so good that we do what we do. Samson was separated by God from the world, yet as we will see, he joined himself to the world by choice. He was a man with total opportunity. As you will see, he threw away the best opportunities. He was endowed with the Spirit of God, yet as we will see, he gave in to the Spirit of his flesh. He was to manifest God's wisdom, yet we will see that he displayed the wisdom of a fool in his choices. He was mighty in physical strength, yet as we will see, he was spiritually anemic, a dwarf, a midget. He had heaven before him, yet as we will see, he chose the world. He feasted with the world, married an unbeliever, avenged himself, visited prostitutes, but he did not deliver Israel. Samson gets an F. Listen to Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap spirit everlasting life. That's a warning to Christians, by the way, not to non-believers. The principle applies to non-believers. You reaped to what you sowed in the world. So did I. But that warning is to believers because we still have a free will. And we can live carnally. And we will add to our hurt. Each of us, like Nazarites, are called by Christ to dedicate ourselves totally to him then, to live with him and for him, Galatians 2.20, the crucified life, to be a witness to him, Acts 1.8. You should be witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, to abstain from every form of evil or anything that would influence or control me, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Bottom line, Paul puts it succinctly, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled, continue with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5.18. I cannot afford not to be filled with the Spirit of God one second of the day. 
I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be just humble. And me is a bad man, not a good man. This is the new me. <laughs> the new me's all right. The old me, not at all. And he's there. The birth of Samson was announced beforehand by God. Notice, secondly, the birth of Samson confirmed, 6 through 14. And the mother of Samson told the news to her husband, Manoah. He describes the appearance of the man in verse 6. She took it as a prophet, a man of God, with a, a stunning countenance, uh, like the countenance of an angel of God, very awesome, fearful, uh, intimidating. She forgot to inquire about him uh, as to where he came from, and he didn't identify himself, who he was by name or anything. Then in 7, she declared the revelation of the birth. So she's communicating because he wasn't there. Now, the revelation was marked with prophetic authority as she communicates this to her husband. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. The revelation was for her, her sanctification in view of the child she was going to carry. So she's involved in this. Now, drink no wine, similar drink, or eat anything unclean. And then the revelation indicated a call for the child to be born for life from the womb to the day of his death, a Nazarite. And so in verse 8 to 14, the father of Samson turned to see God. What a great response. Men, you are the heads of your home. You are the high priest. Too often the man is not the spiritual head. Men are there to protect women, to direct and guide to be coverings. Manoah petitioned God in verse 8 for a second visit by the, by the man. Manoah prayed to the Lord Yahweh, Oh, my Lord. Notice this is the time when everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. But here you have a man, my Lord, like the book of Ruth. They're praising God. They're worshiping God. They're helping each other. And the book of Ruth is right in the time of the book of Judges. Let this man of God whom you send. So he calls for him. His desire is for more instruction, that he might teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Now the Lord Jesus appears again in verse 9 and 10, because that's who it is, the angel of the Lord. We've seen this throughout the scriptures. Well, he'll be identified for sure. His petition is granted. God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again. She was sitting in the field, but her husband is not there. So she sought him out. He follows her over there. He comes before the man. Uh, so Manoah arose and followed the wife when he came to the man. And he inquires of his person here, are you the man who spoke to this woman? Kind of weird, this woman, not my wife. And he said, I am. And Manoah confessed his faith in the revelation, asking the nature of his call or work. Manoah said, now let your word come to pass. He believed the revelation. As from God. If you believe you have biblical faith, your faith must point you back to God's word. If your faith, what you say you believe, is not biblical according to God's revelation of his word, your faith is not biblical, it's not Christian. Many people say, I have faith. What do you believe in? Well, I know how things work good. It'll work out. Really? Are you a Christian? No. Oh, okay. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Oh, show me the word. Oh, it doesn't matter. I believe. Oh, really? What is it you believe? You must find it in Scripture. If God hasn't promised it, then how can you claim it? How can you say it's yours? So if you say you have biblical faith, it must be according to God's revelation. This is the hallmark. This is the gauntlet, the plumb line. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with the time of the judges and the birth of Samson, the free will afforded us all to choose this day who you will serve. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we've had to break only partway through this study, but if your schedule will permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Samson, the Nazarite. It's available on CD for just $4. That title once again is Samson, the Nazarite, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com